Hello and welcome to Daddy Issues, the podcast where we do Mexican waves. It's a father and son adventure. Two-person Mexican waves. Yeah, well, I mean it'll probably go on for longer than a, you know when you're in an arena. But uh, my name is Dominic Archer, and with me, as always, is my co-host Dave Angelian Brian. Dave. How are you doing today? Well, obviously, I'm, you know, in the video, uh, in the podcast, it says we're doing uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion, and you have just absorbed well, five five episodes of it for the first time uh, in one day or over the course of a couple of hours. How is your brain? My brain feels uh, uh, electrocuted. Ooh. I'm I'm buzzing. I watched three episodes last night and two episodes this morning. And um, yeah, I think if if for whatever reason I had just uh, watched it on a whim, I probably would have carried on throughout the weekend and, pro- and blitzed the whole season. Yeah. Yeah. I, this is one that has been on our list because uh, although we say at the end of each episode that no, nobody listens, even though we say at the end of each episode, what do you want to do next week? If anyone has any recommendations, you know, put them in the comments. Um, and if someone does put in a recommendation, then it's like, oh, cool. Yeah, well, that, maybe we'll, we'll jump to that. But um, we have a list of like father son properties that we want to get around to at some point. And uh, this has been one of my recommendations for a while is yeah, Neon Genesis Evangelion. And it's one, you don't rush into it, right? You don't <laughs> want to, you don't blow your load with Neon Genesis Evangelion. So this is episode 20 of Daddy Issues. And I love it in podcasts where they're on like episode 300, but you listen back and they're like, oh my God, we've done 50 episodes. Can you, can you believe it? And then you're like, I know you've done 500 episodes at this point. But it's cute. It's cute when they're like, "Oh, we've done twenty. <laughs> so this is this is a, a special one for uh, for our twentieth episodes. We're doing episodes one to five of uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion, and then we can kind of uh, drop further episodes in as we go. Because um, again, you you do you do you see now after watching the first five episodes why uh, we couldn't have just done one episodes of Daddy Issues on the whole series? Yeah, absolutely. It would have been a long ass episode of Daddy Issues, and we have we've had we have history, we have previous of over overshooting slightly. A couple <laughs> yeah. of episodes that went close to two and a half hours, and that's more than anybody needs of us. Yeah. And it was all, always the episodes we didn't expect, right? Like Road to Perdition. Well, went the, the on shocking forever. one was Real Steel. How did we yeah, talk for yeah. two and a half hours about Real Steel? I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. great. I love that film. But yeah, we've talked about some like some high art in this yeah. podcast. And yet we spent the most time gassing about a Hugh Jackman, uh, another robots thing. But, you know, this time with oh, Hugh Jackman. Oh, my God. Fathers and Robots, round two. Is We're that only round two? I feel like robots have come up another time. Mm, no, I don't think so. Think about it. Think about it. Lion King robots. <laughs> hey, there's a fan theory. It's Mufasa all... was a robot. <laughs> <laughs> Lion King Westworld crossover. It's what we've been dying for this whole time. Can can we get Yul Brenner back from the original to play Mufasa? It'd be a great Mufasa, actually. A Russian Mufasa. He's Russian, right? You're right. 
I think he was Russian, yeah, but he just had this when he in when he was in Hollywood he had this real like deep Yeah growly voice, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. iconic. Why are we talking iconic. about your Brenner in our, <laughs> in our <laughs> anime episode? Right. This is our first anime though. Uh, we've we've done an, uh, we've done animated movies and we've done manga because we spoke about Lone Wolf and Cub before. But this is our first one um, like on on an anime. And um, before I I want to ask you about your your history with anime if you're a fan things like that. But before we jump into that, um, I just wanted to talk about anime a little bit and and this one in particular because uh, on Instagram I follow a lot of like anime um, accounts. They'll just like randomly throughout just post like random videos from from anime where it's like Hunter x Hunter or like stuff that I haven't seen. But it's just like a fun little thing that makes me happy so I don't have to think about uh, the kind of topics that Evangelion deals with. Um, and on the, on there, they often come up with things like um, uh, when people say to you, why do you watch anime? It's just for kids. And then the video itself will be like tits and explosions and giant swords <laughs> and it's like oh my god there's a monster and oh no her breasts have fallen out of her top when she was diving firing five guns at the same time and it's like <laughs> and i i look at them and i go that's not what anime is for me like that that's part of anime for sure no doubt right like uh ginormous bosoms uh bouncing in front of a monster is like classic anime shit but evangelion is much closer to um to what i get out of normal anime only evangelion is kind of intensified um it's it's like if you're talking about death note and you said yeah death note is it's about a guy and he writes in his book and when he does people die and there's a floating like he's got a giant floating demon behind him it's like that is what death note is about but also it's about mind games and philosophy and justice and right versus, you know, what's the, can, if you are judge, jury and executioner, can you be a moral person? And it's like, yeah, it is about a teenager who kills people with his book, but that is the tool to explore the theme. Yeah, that, that reminds me of something that um, our lecturers used to say at uni when we were doing our screenwriting degree. So when they were, t- when we would talk about a film that, we had watched or a story that we were writing they would say so what's it about and we your first instinct is to say well it's about a guy and he goes here and he does this and this happens and they would go no 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 no. what is it about yeah yeah and that's kind of was my kind of introduction into the thinking about what themes really are and that stories aren't just a series of cool or funny or sad tragic things that happen there's there's a there's like a a parallel subtext Yes. To, to yeah. good stories. Yeah. And that's why for me, something like Dragon Ball doesn't necessarily have that much of Like, I, I know people love Dragon Ball, like especially with Dragon Ball Z. Like, you're just uh, huge fans of it. But that, um, oh, he's gotten bigger and now he's glowing and his hair's on fire and he's chucking a massive explosion. It's like, I, I get it, but... Th- that's not the bit of anime that necessarily appeals to me. Like this, like undoubtedly, animes have outstanding like visual, uh, visual language, visual you know, like, especially for for fight scenes and things like that. But um, 
Yeah. That's not what, what draws me into to an anime. It's, yeah, yeah, like you were saying, what, what is it talking about? You know, what, what's it... And anime uh, get, can get to something that regular television can often struggle with. And it's something I want to come back to later on because I want to talk about David Lynch and how I think David Lynch should make an anime. But we, we'll come back to that later on. So, yes... Oh, that, this was what I wanted to say. I, 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 I was thinking, well, I missed something. Right, this is why the Digimon anime is better than the Pokemon anime, right? We, we, we grew up on Pokemon uh, and Digimon kind of at the same time. But Pokemon is an anime in the, oh, there's some cute monsters and sometimes they're funny and sometimes they uh, fight each other and, and that's it, right? Like, it's, it's a face value uh, anime. Whereas Digimon is like, yeah, there's these giant monsters and stuff, but actually it's about friendship and it's about bravery and uh, overcoming your fears and growing up. And it has all of the, uh, it's, it has thematic relevance that, um, that isn't just, I got the electric badge because I was a good person. Like that. Thunder that badge. Was... Thunder badge. Sorry, the, thun the thunder badge. Yes. Sorry. But you know, you know what I mean. Like uh, with with Ash, he uh, Ash yeah. has a history of just uh, you know stumbling from one place to another, losing fights, and then somehow being victorious. Um, yeah, and people feel yeah. sorry for him and give him great stuff. Yes, and that's the th that's the thematic relevance of Pokemon. Yeah, like in comparison, I never I'd never watched Digimon. I'll put that out there. I was I was a staunch Pokemon fan, and I and I would look at I've, and again I didn't really understand theme or subtext at that point in my life at that age so i would just look at digimon and go ah these characters these monsters are lame i like pokemon that's where i'm at um but uh yeah looking back um if you if you could tell me that digimon had some sort of subtext and theme and was about other things pokemon seems kind of like a sitcom by comparison yeah it's just the characters never change they are who they're always who they are and they just go from adventure to adventure or situation to situation and by the end of it they haven't really grown or changed and their, their dynamic hasn't changed. It's just, you know, in Pokemon's case, some new Pokemon showed up. Some have come along for the ride. And from what I remember, it's only really when it got to the movies that yeah. some real character development happened. But yeah, yeah. as, as yeah, far as a, a periodic um, anime series goes, it was just fun adventure after fun adventure. Yeah. And that's why the most interesting Pokemon character is Mewtwo. Like, he's more interesting than all of the actual human characters in Pope because... Anyway, we're not here to talk about Pokemon. Sorry, I've, I've again... But I wore my Pokemon shirt and everything. <laughs> it is a good Bulbafet. Bulbafet. If anyone, yes. if you can imagine, it's um, it's Bulbasaur, but he's wearing Boba Fett's armour. And that's just... Allow you to absorb that and appreciate that for a second. Do you think the Sarlacc is actually <laughs> just the top... The top of like a Venusaur. Ooh, there's a crossover and, that could happen. Yeah, yeah. But, just but then I don't, I don't think a Venusaur would enjoy being either in the desert or like underground in a cave beneath the desert. That's not its habitat. That's not where it wants no, to be. No, no. Well, that's why it's angry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Something, just something, that, something to think about, ladies and gentlemen. Is the Sarlacc so, actually a Pokemon? I'm just going to take anyway. a break and quickly write some fan fiction. People are right back. <laughs> so, Neon Genesis Evangelion. Have you had you heard of it? 
before um, we we brought it up as a topic. I had heard the title and um, seen it in uh, merchandise, but no, I knew I knew nothing about it. All I knew it was it was anime. That that was it. Yes, yeah, I watched it for the first time last year, and the reason I watched it was because I ran out of anime to watch. Um, and uh, it was like, oh, everyone always says it's one of the best, but again, it's just like, I don't, I, I don't care for the giant robot stuff. Like Transformers doesn't interest me. Gundam, you know, the other really famous big, uh, like that doesn't really, like doesn't hold any appeal to me. Um, like Pacific Rim was cool, but Pacific Rim is very much once you watch Evangelion, you're like, ah, I got it. Pacific Rim, yeah. Pacific Rim was trying to be Evangelion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, It was. It was like trying to adapt it, but then not making it so obvious and not calling it obviously the same thing and adding extra bits. Like it's like Evangelion, except you have to have two pilots. And and we call uh, the monsters kaiju and not angels. So you know, it's it's a completely different thing. It's it's inspired, not based on. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a lot. It does take a lot from Evangelion, but it's it's Del Toro trying to you know trying to do his own thing and didn't the second never... one have a father-son thing because like like the second one is john boyega isn't it and idris elba his character idris elba's character from the first movie is his dad really i haven't yeah. seen the second one Nor right add it on the list okay but can we do both double header double header okay we'll do double header next week pacific rim pacific rim 2 don't ever say we're going to do it next week because i can't think of more than once or twice where that ever happens <laughs> Okay, All right. but we can we can put but, it on the list that that, yes. that we can do. Yeah, but when I got round to Evangelion uh, last year, it must have been the summer, I guess. That I I watched it for the first time, um, and what I had expected to be an anime with themes turned out to be so much more than uh, I had imagined. Um, Especially for the time that I was at at that point, without wanting to go too much into awful therapy territory, um, at this point, my, I, me and my uh, my girlfriend at the time had just broken up, but we were still in lockdown together, for like four months or five months, um, and we 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 were living in Russia, but she's Chinese, I'm from the UK, so we're we're we've broken up, but we're stuck living in the house together in a foreign country that we're both intending to leave. Um, and it's like, uh, we're in the middle of the world global pandemic, you know, I've, I'm almost bankrupt, like, uh, it's been a difficult, it's been a difficult year for a lot of people, but especially me. Um, <laughs> 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 he says, bringing the conversation, that's enough about me, what do you think about me, as my dad likes <laughs> to say. That's a, that's a daddy issues line. Um, uh, and so when I watched when I watched this giant robot anime for escapism to be like, oh my God, you know, I can't deal with, you know, uh, I'm trapped in the house with the person that I love, but we're not going to be together. And it's, it's like a ticking clock. And uh, what am I going to do with my life? Oh, Japanese cartoons. And then you put on Evangelion. And it's like, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> right? like, it's, it's like a tsunami of... Uh, of ideas and emotions and like we said like themes and uh, just when I watch it I find myself go into this weird meditative state 
that I've never had with something else, where I, I don't know, it's until until the fights start. When the fights start, then it's okay, we're, we're back in the room, kind of thing. But up until then, I feel like I lose part of myself in in watching it. I don't I don't know. It's really difficult to describe. But do you have any idea what I kind of mean? No, yeah, I I totally do it. There are moments of it that are really serene. And um when we were both watching it uh last night, you messaged me to say like um it this this has these beautiful moments of quiet mm. that you can really just get lost in. And uh, I don't think I'd started watching it when you sent me that message, but um yeah, I I totally get that and they really I love how committed they are to the quiet sometimes. There are moments where it, um, it just holds, the screen just holds. On a, and for what is, um, for animation, usually it's all very vibrant and things are always moving. And, you know, it's it reminded me much more of Studio Ghibli movies than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. Like, right. like, like you said, like, sure, it's got giant creatures fighting giant robots, but that's kind of quite a small fraction of the screen time a lot of the time it's it's to do with the characters and there are moments that linger and really just leave you thinking about what these characters are, are going through and and the sound the like sound editing is amazing um with the as a whole episode um it's, i think it's even called oh yeah rain after running away mm-hmm. where the main character does run away and it's raining all the time but the sound of the rain is it's like listening to the meditative music or something and um i think while it when it's not raining there's like this cicada buzzing in the background that again is really just kind of peaceful and you feel like you are kind of removed from the world a little bit and yeah there it does things that i didn't expect yeah for sure yeah there are a number of shots i remember when it really hooked me was the first episode and it hooked me because there were just a number of images where i looked at and went oh fuck it's art right and it, it just it just held and i think because it is hand drawn as well rather than you know computer animated or, or something like that um it, it literally is art like somebody not that computer animation isn't art but you know what i mean it's uh, traditionally yeah yeah traditionally speaking which episode it is i don't maybe it's it is uh rain after after running away um, where he's in like a sunflower field. He's walking through a, a field of flowers. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. Because yeah. I've noticed that too. And yeah. it's like and um, it's... it's like Van Gogh. It's yeah, amazing. yeah. I just oh, yeah. It's such such a great show. So we've watched five episodes so far. From what you've seen at the moment, could you try and explain? what the show is about. You don't have to do the whole plot of what's happened so far over the five episodes, but what is the show about to you, you after want, five episodes? Do you want me to tell you what it's about or do you want me to tell you what, in university language, what it's about? Oh, both. I can't, well... Um, All right, no, let's, let's you, start with you, the first one. one. Let's start with one. the first one first. The, the, do the story. So the, the story. story. Yeah, yeah. Okay, the story the is... Yeah. The concept is that um, 15 years in the future... Uh, well, no, sorry. It's actually set in 2015, but it was made in 1995. So mm-hmm. it's like a futuristic sci-fi thing. That, but 15 years after a global event where the world was attacked by enormous creatures, um, uh, and uh, half of planet's population has been wiped out. It's been 15 years of peace, but then another of these giant creatures that are called angels comes back. Um, 
and uh, we pick up in this world with a young boy called Shin- Shinji, um, who's kind of called to this secret um, like government facility where it's up. It's their responsibility to fight this threat, um, and uh, like traditional weapons, rockets and bombs and nukes even don't seem to touch this giant monster. So they um, they go to some kind of like shady colonel um, called uh, Commander Ikari, who runs this like giant robot um, program. These things that are built to fight giant aliens. Or I don't even know if they're aliens actually at this point. I've not got that far. Um, but it turns out that Shinji is um, Commander Akari's son. And for some reason, we don't know when you start the thing, um, Shinji is the only person who can pilot this giant mech um, that needs to fight this alien. Um, so he's called by his father and they're quite estranged. Um, he hasn't, they haven't seen each other for years by the, by the sounds of it. Um, so he gets sort of summoned by his father, little Shinji. He gets taken by a stranger to this weird government facility underground, introduced to this whole world of uh, angels and uh, the mechs, which are called Evangelions. Is that right? That's what they are yeah. called. Yeah, yeah, they call them yeah. Evas for short, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then they go, uh, remember that thing that happened before you were born? Well, it's happening again. Uh, we're all under threat. By the way, you have to go fight that thing. And he's like, what? what? What the fuck? And meanwhile, he's dealing with the fact that his dad has come back into his life out of nowhere. Um, but this all happens so quickly. Not like rushed. It doesn't feel rushed, but you're kind of taking all this information at the same rate that Shinji is. And then when they go, and you've got to go do that, you're kind of like, wait, no, that, that can't happen. Um, and the story sort of follows Shinji through his reintegration with his father's world from a kind of a from a distance because while his father is this the commander of this um facility and this program so essentially his dad is more like his boss than his actual dad and they have very little interaction other than hop in off you go fight the giant creature um so i think that is kind of the premise for this thing um but there's an awful lot more to explore than just Pacific Rim, giant robots fighting giant monsters. Yes. Yeah. And a part of that, I think as well, that those extra ideas comes from what we were saying about the, the quiet and the, the slow nature of it is that because you're right, it doesn't rush anything at all, ever. Like... Um, there are moments on the escalator where it's just a, a, a far out shot of two people going down an escalator for like a minute. Yeah, it and feels it's like just... the, it's infinite. That escalator feels like yeah. it goes on forever and ever and ever. Yeah, because it's that same thing of uh, ideas versus um, uh, or concepts versus uh versus themes again because you're right about that infinite that infinite feeling but it's not just trying to tell you oh by the way the staircase is really long right like that's not what it's trying to get get you to understand right it's com- it's communicating so- like 
they're using an escalator to communicate the emotional state of these characters. Right? And it, like, and that's it, right? That, like... Yeah. There's not many things else like, uh, like Evangelion, I think. No, it made me think of um, another kind of uh, uh, thing we learned in our degree in that no scene is wasted. Mm. There is there is nothing frivolous. And like and like you said, it might seem like the characters are going down an escalator into an underground city, basically. So, of course, they need to get down there somehow. So you think, well, here's an opportunity for a bit of dialogue, maybe. But you're right, there is, there is, more, there is more to it. And it reminds me, um, in the way that each scene is doing the, the surface thing and also doing something beneath the surface and that that kind of feels very artistic and um it reminds me of how the titles of each episode kind of made me feel and besides like episode one is called angel attack which you know is kind of on the nose but then all the other titles are kind of poetic and beautiful in in themselves because it's not just you know angel attack and then the real basic whatever happens in episode two, episode three. And it really struck me when episode two is called Unfamiliar Ceilings. I was like, that is a beautiful title. It sounds like a title of a poem or a painting. And then that is a theme of the story in that Shinji, our main character, is um, so he wakes up in a, in a hospital after the big fight in the first episode. And he says, oh, that's an unfamiliar ceiling. And then he has to go move in with someone he doesn't know. And it's like another unfamiliar ceiling. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's about um, the disjointed kind of nature of his life all of a sudden. And mm-hmm. he's being thrown from, from sort of pillar to post and having to adapt to new things changing all of the time. And yeah, yeah unfamiliar ceilings is a beautiful title. And then rain, rain after running away caught me as well. Because it's not just that, it's rain, comma, after running away like that's that's like what you read on a plaque next to a painting in a museum yes yeah i think what's really amazing about about the the titles as well is that each episode has two title cards right mm. it has one it has one at the beginning which is generally in japanese and then it has the the neon genesis evangelion logo that behind that's behind you uh, on on the Skype call comes up like halfway through the episode and then it's like uh, the English title Hedgehog's Dilemma or something like that yeah that's right? a great title so, as well yeah so that's episode four I think it's Rain After Running Away and Hedgehog's Dilemma that's like the, the, the yeah. dual titles and what's really cool ab- about that is it gives you twice it gives you the ability to recontextualize what you have seen halfway through the episode. So it gives you the title to say, uh, like, Unfamiliar Ceilings, for example. Then you see the references to Unfamiliar Ceilings throughout. And you're like, oh, I see, I see where it's going with that. But then it gives you another title that will then change your... Uh, your sort of thought process a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And... Yeah, I, I for this whole thing, I'm just going to be going. Oh God, it's so good, yeah. like that. Yeah, the the sort of the mid the mid credit title for Unfamiliar Ceilings is The Beast, which again mm-hmm. is a lot more of a kind of um, on the nose, superficial kind of title. But it does, um, yeah. I think you said the word recontextualize. It does recontextualize yeah. your thinking as you go on through the story. No, but the thing I think it's 
in in that one in the the beast there isn't a fight in that second episode right oh we see we see the end of his fight from the first yeah it uh, flashes back to sort of show you how the fight happened yeah yeah but the beast isn't necessarily the angel because that's episode one right is the is the beast so who and what is the the beast within the episode again is that uh uh asking questions of the audience right getting the audience to to think to contextualize um and kind of and and go back to it um yeah if we kind of go through go through the plot um for these first five episodes so we start with angel attack and uh shinji appears in Tokyo Three, I think it's the it's uh I would yeah. assume the, the third Tokyo. The others having been destroyed. Perhaps uh, the, Tokyo Two exists because there's like a, a news story happening with the prime minister or the president of Japan who's like and in his base at Tokyo Two. So yeah, I right. assumed Tokyo One got destroyed and they built a couple more. Why? Not? I mean, yeah. why? Why not build Tokyo Two and be like, okay, that's Tokyo Two, and then then this city that this takes place and why is it not called something else i don't know yeah yeah so shinji shinji arrives into into tokyo 3 uh having been summoned by his father um and as he gets there he gets there as there is an angel attack going on uh he's he's thrown he's thrown straight into it and he's like what the, yeah, what is going on here like really he should have just he should have just stayed at home but he is instantly collect, uh, collected by uh, one of the show's greatest characters, uh, Misato, who yeah. is, uh, well, she's a captain, a captain for Nerve, the, the uh, organization that Shinji's father runs. Um, and she is like a loose unit, Misato. How, how would you describe uh, Misato herself? She's quirky and... Um... Yeah, for someone who's reached the rank of captain in some government um, organization, she doesn't seem to take it very seriously, at least in the beginning. And so I want, yeah, maybe it's, it was trying to put Shinji at ease a little bit, and so she's not all uptight and all governmenty that you know he would. So he would kind of get um, his uh, his uh, adjustment would be more more tricky if he had some sort of stiff upper lip suited person so she's very sort of free and kind of young i think she says she's being all kind of like funny and weird and meanwhile shinji is quite quiet and just sort of monosyllabic and she's like you're pretty uptight for a kid and he's like well you're very childlike for an adult yes yeah yeah so that's kind of what she's like and we see later on like where she lives she's a bit of a slob she drinks a lot she eats badly she yells at people but then, but then she's also the person that in like a crisis situation, when she's in the command center or whatever, she's very business and military. It's it's a strange uh, juxtaposition, but she's a lot of fun in the beginning. Yes, yeah, yeah, and yeah, as you were saying with her apartment, it's just full of beer bottles, um, or beer beer cans rather, um, and it's, yeah, just cans and used food and. Um, uh, Shinji arrives into her apartment. He's like, "What the heck? Like, what?" It's like a that seems to be the thing he's the most confused about. Is uh, in in all of this is how the hell does she live? Uh, how does she yeah. live like this? Um, but she has a special roommate that we meet as well. Who uh, who is the roommate that she already has? That was uh, before we started watching this. You said to me, "I can't wait to get all the what the fuck am I watching?" messages. 
And uh, as it began, like, there wasn't many of them. Um, like I'm like, okay, I get, I get what this is, and I'm enjoying it. This is pretty cool. And so that's epi- it's episode two where, she, where he moves in with Masato. Mm. And this was the first moment when I was like, what? Um, like, because he says, uh, Shinji says, why have you got two fridges? Yeah. And, um, and Masato says, oh, don't, don't touch that. I wouldn't want to disturb them while he's sleeping. I was like, huh? What? And then <laughs> later on, we see this uh, roommate and it's a penguin. <laughs> it's Penpen. It's Penpen, which I was like, that's a weird choice for this this kind of story. But then it also made me think that there's only one thing I've ever heard of or read that's similar to that. And that is um, Death and the Penguin. Have you read that book? No. no. It's like a Soviet-era uh, um, Russian novel. And uh, this is a bit of a tangent, but um, it's set in like some, some Eastern Bloc country after the Soviet empire has fallen. And the zoo in this like... Um, kind of winter swept city uh, had to just shut down because all the all the money went out of the city and the whole place is kind of a desolate shithole and so the animals are just let free and this guy the main character of the story got himself a penguin and he keeps it in his fridge or in i think in the bath uh, with full of cold water um which and that's another great example of a story that's about a guy who has a penguin living in his fridge but actually it's about so much more um I'd recommend that book if you can. I have an old copy of it that um, our friend Ash actually gave to me. Um, oh, cool! But so maybe one day I'll, I'll I'll lend it to you. Yeah, to me it has feelings of Blade Runner as well, and mm. especially Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Because one of the the major themes within Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep is um, most of the animals in the world are dead and have been replaced uh been replaced with like android animals you know like um um in blade runner there's that bit where harrison ford is is with that sexy lady and she's got a, an android snake and uh there's the owl at the beginning as well and it's like um we've we've so lost touch with the world that even the animals are are fake at this point um and Pen Pen kind of has that feeling to me as well, where he's the only animal in in the show that I can remember. You yeah. never see like someone's pet cat, or like you never see a dog. Like all of these are, like animals are presumably gone. Um, they say like thousands of species were wiped out uh, yeah. when when the first the first incident happened, um, and like Pen Pen's the only like, seems to be the only animal that's left. Uh, and he's living in he's living in uh, in Misato's fridge, uh, eating curry, horrible curry. Oh yeah, uh, he hates her curry. Yeah, but one of the things that's so nice about that is that um, Pen Pen and and the apartment um, is where they they share meals together. There's a big musical change when they they eat food together. They all say, "Oh, let's eat like that," and and then the music changes from like silence. And it goes, do 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 like that. And then they're eating food and they're like having conversation. And then Pen Pen's there, and it's like, <laughs> oh, it's this this joyous moment of life and uh, levity, right? Like. Um, the show deals with a lot of concepts of, of depression, loneliness, isolation. But when they share those meals together and they're all sat around the table and there's a penguin and it's like, um, 
like uh, there is a there's a brighter side a brighter side of life and of those characters in those those moments those few moments and um the best example of that is in episode two where um shinji says oh i'm gonna take a bath and then he goes into the bathroom and there's a penguin and he and he's like what and he jumps out completely naked uh to to misato and is like um oh, misato there's a penguin in the in the bathroom. she's like oh yeah that's our roommate and then uh, he's just standing there completely naked and confused um and uh and then she's like do you want to put some clothes on and he's very embarrassed and it's like that um slapstick almost slapstick yeah it is slapstick yeah yeah, yeah but in this in something that is so heavily laden with ideas um it brings something different which is yeah, yeah, yeah there, really there are moments um in the first couple of episodes just between characters in dialogue that i thought that's quite funny like they 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 are writing in jokes like mm. amusing things that people say so yeah you're right some of because even though it's like there is there's big action big you know giant robot fights that's not the part of that's not like a that is not levity. That's not no. a bit of no, fun. It's not fun. It's not it's fun not, like when you watch like like a, Dragon Ball or something like that. Right? Yeah, or yeah. like Transformers yeah. seeing a bunch of robots punch each other. It's like, yes. okay, this is like the, the popcorn part of the thing. This isn't yeah. like that. And this, it, it's it's stressful and it's brutal and it's really difficult for the human characters that are involved. So you're kind of just like, I want this to end. I don't yeah. want this fight yeah. to keep going. Like, uh, you know, King Kong fighting Mothra or whatever. Wait, no, that's Godzilla. Sorry, you well, threw me King earlier. King Kong fighting Godzilla. It's King, King Kong. Kong I didn't Godzilla. want to mention yeah. King Kong fighting Godzilla because that's you know that's something that the film that's coming out soon and you mentioned it earlier, but yes. um, well, off pod. <laughs> but yeah, that, that that's fun. But this is not fun. Like the 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 angels are kind of monstrous and hideous, mm. and the the robots are piloted by by children. So you kind of that's not the fun part of this. And no. the the greater concepts of the show are not particularly fun either. They're more uh, thought provoking and kind of powerful. So yeah, the the moments of levity that are in, are sort of punctuated throughout are between people in in smaller spaces, like around a dinner table or you know going down an escalator or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a big difference between this and then again something like Pacific Rim, where. In Pacific Rim, the characterization of Charlie Hunnam's character from memory is, I don't want to pilot robots anymore, because I used to pilot robots with my brother, and then my brother died, and I don't want to, you know, it's like the, the idea of being synchronized with your partner is like, a, oh, she's sad, and so I need to also be sad, and then we could, it's like a teamwork thing, right? Um, and that's the extent of the characterization. Whereas the characterization of piloting the Ava in Evangelion is um, you are going to feel everything that happens to this giant robot as if it is happening to you, right? Like the, your nervous system, it becomes connected to the robot itself, which is what allows them to, to pilot it. And exactly as you're saying, like if the... Uh, the robot gets its hand cut off or its arm broken, as happens in the first episode. We, you, Shinji's put into the robot, told he has to go and fight this thing. Well, he's got no fucking idea what is going on. Um, but he's thrown out there to fight it. The, the angel, the monster, just grabs his arm and breaks it, right? And it's like, 
that's it, game over. And every, everyone at the command center is like, oh, 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 no. Like that because they just sent this boy out there and he's screaming. He's in this pod screaming in agony. And they're saying, oh, Shinji, it only feels like your arm is broken. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's, it's like, a, oh, well, that's all right then. You know, yeah. like that, that when I, when I broke my arm when I was four, same age as Shinji, I was about 14, I broke my arm playing rugby. And if I was yeah. sat in A&E and the doctor came up and went, no, no, don't worry. It only feels like it's broken. I'd yeah. have been like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. But the, then the next time, the next time they say to Shinji, uh, there's another angel has appeared. I think it's episode three, right? Another angel has appeared. Um, we, you, we, you need to go back out there and fight it again. And he's like, I can't. Right? I can't. I can't do it. Um, not because in the first episode he can't do it because this this idea that he's going to climb into that and fight that is like just so preposterous. But by the by the next time he kind of has to do it, it's like he's terrified, he's traumatized, and they're going to make him do it again and again and again. Um, and there's that really great bit which brings us back into the daddy issues uh, one. Is in the first episode he does it essentially because his father tells him to, right? There's also other bits with the character Ray who we'll we'll get into in a minute, um, but in the first episode uh, his father says either do it or leave, right? Like I I brought you here to do this, and if you're not going to do it, then get out of the way. Um, and he's like, oh my god, it's my dad, so I'm you know I'm 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 going to do it. But in the third episode, his dad isn't there, and there's a bit where he says, my father isn't watching. Why am I doing this? Right. And it's like that was his reason to to do it was because his father was watching. And if his father's not there, then what is his purpose in fighting these, you know, these monsters? Yeah. And that's that's that. that is that a time where he decides to quit? He just doesn't. It's, it's, it's just after that. Yeah. Just he fights after that, that yeah. first one. Then he quits. Yeah. Just after that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Because he has um that yeah that that second angel that turns up is that weird like floaty squiddy tentacly thing that has like yeah whippy whipping and like his whips like cut through buildings and shit yes yeah 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 that's a that's cool though that fight because um he's he's doing badly like uh, Shinji has been through training like uh, with these giant like assault rifles that they give for the the robot and they're just repetitively going like cent- center the target pull the trigger center mm-hmm. the target pull the trigger in like um simulations um and then when it comes to the real fight he does it and it doesn't really do it doesn't do shit and then he's like well <laughs> that's the only thing you've taught me what now and yeah. it's only like um because some some uh some kids from his class like try and sneak out to watch the fight and they kind of get in the way and that's it's only at that point that he kind of what 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 is he, it's not even shinji that does it though is it because that fight ends with his robot beating the shit out of this um tentacly a- angel but he's not really in control is that right i can't no, remember. that's Tell the me. first one that's, that's the, the first, first one. fight the first one he gets his arm broken and like uh and then the the angel like uh shoots him through the head oh yeah 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 and oh, then shit. like yeah everyone thinks he's dead but then the the ava itself goes berserk is what they oh yeah no yeah, because the, the episode this this fucked me up because the episode ends with the angel shooting um their eva straight through the head and then it's like to be continued and you're like yeah what you can't leave it yeah. there and then at the end the episode two open uh, um begins with him with shinji waking up in hospital bed 
yeah, and then the unfamiliar un- ceiling. Yeah. With the unfamiliar ceiling, and then the, yeah, it flashes back to show what happened, and yeah, Shinji is in the in the Eva, but he's at, he's out of it, and so the Eva somehow takes charge or mm. acts autonomously, which I'm guessing mm. there's going to be an all it's all going to unravel throughout this, this series of what these Evas actually are. Um, I think I've got I've got a prediction, but I'm not going to say because hopefully we will come back and do more episodes of this, and I want to tell you be able to say that I was right. Oh no, 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 you no, you've got to tell me that all the prediction is now because then we can see if you if you're if you're right oh, and, or not. So and what history do you think? Will decide. Yeah. So what do you think the Evas are? Well, firstly, there's a bit where uh, I can't remember what episode it's in, but Shinji is in the Eva. And yes. like the the helmet piece of the Eva kind of comes off, but it's not the whole head. It is like a helmet over a skull, and um, Shin, uh, the 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 Eva is standing next to a skyscraper, and Shinji looks out because now he's got nothing protecting him. He's just like exposed, and he looks out and sees the reflection of the Eva in the skyscraper, and then the, an exposed eye of the the what is meant to be a, an Eva, the robot, but it's clearly biological. It like. It moves and it's bright and green and they clock eyes. Um, so my theory is that the the Evangelions are angels that have been captured, sedated, covered in armor, and are somehow stopped from um, from wreaking havoc through because they're all always plugged in. They've got all these electrical stuff in them, uh, and that was like their plan. It's like we can't fight them uh, with our weapons, so we're gonna take one and we're gonna throw it cover it in armor and weapons throw pilots in there and then it's like it's an even fight then mm, that's my theory but i can't right now tell you why only one 14 year old child can pilot each of the units because there is that character of ray you talked about it was a 14 year old girl who's they've tried to get to pilot the first eva unit zero zero but it's not gone well um and then yeah, for some reason, uh, Commander Akari knows that his son is the only one who can pilot Unit Zero One, but I don't know what that is yet because I've not got that far. Mm. Oh, fuck it. Let's just make this whole uh, podcast series about Evangelion from now on. That's it. We're we're, we're only going to do episodes about Evangelion. We're just going to go through. Well, I, yeah. I'd be up for it. Like I say, I want to continue watching. So. Yeah, or maybe we'll have to. Yeah, oh Christ. Yes. Yeah, that I'm. Uh, I like your theory. I'm not going to say say how uh, how close or or far away you are, how right or wrong, but yes, yeah. It's it's again one of those things where, like we were saying, they don't tell you because it's not in, it's not initially important. Right, like, no. like these these kinds of things will be unveiled, kind of as the series goes on. But the you know the the point of the show isn't uh, what are these robots, you know, like uh, it's like that. It this this is where we're diving into Twin Peaks territory now, and uh, David Lynch, because um, with Twin Peaks, the whole question of the show was who killed Laura Palmer. Right, episode one, Laura Palmer's corpse uh, washes up on on the uh, on the lakeside or the riverside in Twin Peaks, um, and then the question is who killed her? Because it could be anyone in the town. Everyone's a suspect in this this small town, and the t- the detective shows up to try and solve the case. But ultimately, 
who killed Laura Palmer is not the point of the show, right? The point of the show is the characters that you meet within the town of Twin Peaks and what the death of Laura Palmer does to them and to their lives, right? How, how are the lives of these people affected by the death of this girl? And then we add in the David Lynch surreal nature of, of the place and um, even this, the surrealist horror that, that comes out within the show is there to uh, highlight the characters again. Right, the 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 nature, human nature, and um, you know what what it means to be good, what it means to be evil, and um, that I think that's again very similar to to Neon Genesis Evangelion, where it's like the giant robots, um, you know, and the, the robot fights are there as the means of making the anime, right? What's your anime about? It's about giant robots fighting giant aliens, and they're piloted by kids, and one of their dad is the boss. Great. Here's the money to make your show about depression, isolation, and, uh, you know, and, and all of this. Uh, and so when you, you do get that moment, like you're saying, that just gorgeous moment where the, the helmet falls off, and um, it starts off, it's, this is meant in a thematic sense rather than a, uh, a sexual sense, although not necessarily, but the eye initially is like a vagina. I noticed that, yeah. It's, yes. It's quite it's, vaginal. Yes, and then it opens up in into this big green, as you're saying, that that bulging, uh, horrific, like horrific eye is kind of yeah, it's kind of kind of born out of it, um, and like that's not there because oh, it's just a bit scary, right? It's there to although it is, but it's there to to give us something, um, and yeah, it's there's a I see a lot of ties between the work that David Lynch does and 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 this anime in particular hmm. um, yes but again that's that's the first thing about David Lynch I'll, I'll never to be come back to him later on um, <laughs> but we we do make meet this character of Ray who um, is a, the one of the more iconic characters from the show because she's like she's an anime character right she's she's got blue hair bright blue hair um, she pilots a giant robot She's 14, um, but has huge boobs. Yes, yeah, which is something that we're kind of, uh, they're, they're always coming back to. Um, but again, we don't know that much about Ray at this point, other than episode five, uh, it's two titles. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's two titles, uh, um, Ray Beyond the Heart and Ray One. Yeah. So, yeah. So what did you think of that that character of of Ray because she is very important for Shinji's relationship with his father. Well, yeah, then that that only really comes to the fore in episode 5 where they flash back cuz okay, so episode 1, everyone. Episode 1, Shinji shows up, um is told that he's got to pilot this thing. He's like, "No, I can't." And they're like, "All right, fine, we'll get the other pilot." And they literally wheel Ray up to the robot and she's covered in bandages, uh, she's arms in a sling, she can barely move. Um, and then, like the whole facility gets shook by this angel attack, and she falls off the, the, she falls off the fucking gurney, and Shinji goes up and is like, "Oh, she's obviously really fucked up, and you obviously, she, you can't make her do this." So that's when he gets in the in the thing. So, episode five is about showing us how she got so fucked up, and, um, yeah, like I said before, she they've been trying to get her to pilot another one of these um, Evangelions, 
um, but it's taken like seven months of testing trying to get them to to align and to synchronize with each other, and it's not gone well. And we the see pilot one... has to the pilot has to synchronize with the robot. Yeah. Because there is something organic going on. It's not just like turning on your computer. It's like the, the yeah, brain like waves of yeah, the brain waves of the machine and the pilot have to, to mesh. Which yeah. we see in the first episode where the rubble uh the, the base is under attack by the first angel in angel attack and uh rubble is falling down and is about to crush Shinji. But um Unit Zero One, his robot, without him in it, without anybody in it, with not even being plugged in puts his hand uh, over him to protect him from falling rubble. And yeah. everyone's like, how the fuck did that happen? Because nobody's <laughs> even piloting. Yeah. Uh, and then later on, when Shinji is inside, it, the, the Ava itself goes berserk to and defeats, yeah, defeats the, 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 the monster one. on its own. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yes, but uh, in terms of how important Ray, I presume, will end up being to Shinji's relationship with his dad... Is that he? F- um, he finds out that when this uh, this particular test between with Ray and and Unit Zero Zero went really badly, um, she was ejected from the Eva while still indoors, and her capsule was like pinging off the ceiling of the facility, and then she like slams to the ground, and Commander Ikari, Shinji's dad, for the first time we see him like uh, emotional at all. The whole time mm. we've seen him in what I would suppose you would call the present day timeline, he's been very um, serious and business-like and with Shinji, very curt and kind of mean and just not, not very nice. But we see when this test goes badly with Ray, he panics. He's like, no! And he like fucking runs back down into the testing area and tries to prise the door off of the, um, the escape capsule that Ray is in. And it's like, it's been burned and it's like the metal is super hot, but he doesn't care. He grabs hold of the thing, the door, and he pulls it open and gets her out, um, showing great care. And and you know, uh, he obviously obviously cares about Ray for a reason that again, up to season four, uh, sorry, episode five, we don't really know. Um, but as um, whilst and again, back in the present day, Ray has started to recover, and she's trying. They're trying to get her back in her in her Eva, and Shinji notices a moment where Ray's sort of um, near Unit Zero Zero, and then his dad walks over to her, and they approach each other very, jo- uh, not jovially, very familiarly. And she like runs up to him, and she's happy to see him, and he seems to be showing her because it's, it's seen from Shinji's point of view at a distance. So we don't know what they're saying, but they obviously have a friendly relationship. And Shinji has never seen his dad give him anything like that kind of attention or affection. Yeah, and that that character of Rei as well is always shown to be alone and um, uh, is unable to make friendships or form relationships with anybody else. But when... uh, when Shinji's father appears, she like does the typical anime girl thing of she runs in like the cute way. Uh, she clasps <laughs> her hands together in front of her, like, oh, it's so good. Yeah, like, and uh, one one leg on tiptoes and kind of like yeah. sort of digging her toe in the ground and yeah, yeah that and, thing. Yeah, and Akari smiling when uh, while he while he talks to her, um, which he has absolutely one hundred percent never done. Yeah. To uh, to his son, <laughs> um, and that d- 
does cause Shinji quite a a large amount of jealousy, I think. But yeah. it's also a key for an, a moment later on when this is um, the 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 famed escalator scene that we've spoken about uh, for almost as long as that escalator. Um, but uh, Shinji says to her, "Are you scared to get back in the?" back in the robot after it hurt you so much last time. And she said, are you doubting your father's work? Um, and he goes, well, she says, like, don't you trust your father? And uh, he's like, why well, don't I trust a piece of shit father like him? <laughs> you're, you're, you're paraphrasing. You're, you're, but, you're, you're, yeah. you're doming up the dialogue a little bit. But, yeah, yeah, but that is basically... pretty much what he says. He calls him like a dog of a father or something. Yeah, yeah. Something she says, like do you not, yeah, something like, do you not have any faith in your father's work? Like she puts it all about his project yeah. and his work and he's and I think yeah Shinji says something about like well as a father I don't or something like that yeah. he brings yeah. it back and down then... to his his relationship with him and while she's more interested in his his legacy and mm. yeah yeah but then Ray turns around and slaps him across the face yeah um, and she slaps him for insulting his own father um, and we see uh, at her apartment she has his glasses the the command the uh, Ikari's glasses that broke when he was freeing her. Uh, she has those at her apartment, and it's clear that there is a deep, deep connection between these two that Shinji can't understand. Um, he's an outsider to the relationship with his own father, and uh, yeah, it's troubling. It's very troubling to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can sympathise. Yeah, Ma- well, it makes sense. Well, we'll, yeah, or well, we'll get on to to more of the, the questions of you, uh, how it makes you feel about your father in a bit. But what do you, what do you think um, so far about the, the themes of, of puberty and growing up? Um, we, you mentioned earlier about um, anime and it can quite typically be kind of a bit hypersexual and the female characters are all shaped in a very over the top way. And I hadn't seen much, I haven't seen much anime at all. Um, and I suppose I had some preconceptions in line with that. And then the very, in the very first episode, when Shinji is being picked up by Masato, there are she's wearing like a short skirt, and there are very I was going to, there are very particular angles of shots, like when she's driving him to the facility, and there's a and the uh, I was going to say a camera angle, but the the shot is from the perspective of her footwell essentially. So you're looking up at Shinji in the passenger seat, but in the foreground is most of her legs up to yeah her inner her inner thigh in her inner thigh and there are and yeah there are moments when they're having dinner in her place and she leans over the table to 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 talk to him or yell at him or whatever she i can't remember what she's saying but then um that he glances down at her cleavage and you're like well you know he's 14 i don't blame him but then the actual show the the program the direction goes around the back and shows you her butt in its shape and she's wearing little cut off shorts and I'm, you're thinking is this a typical kind of frivolous sexualization of a female character and as we've been having this conversation I'm talking about themes and how no shot is really wasted and then your question of the themes of puberty I'm thinking oh even that is kind of pointed yes. and it's not there just for the sake of um, t- titillating the viewer. 
it's, it's I, I want to draw I want to draw a comparison between two two scenes from two different movies well from from Evangelion and a different movie and ask you uh to to tell me the the difference in meaning from from both from each one right so in um in Neon Genesis Evangelion episode 5 Ray Beyond the Heart Ray 1 um Shinji goes to her apartment to de- to deliver uh, a key card to her but um he no- uh, he tries to uh, to ring her doorbell the doorbell doesn't work he knocks on the door nobody answers um he just goes inside like says hello are you here uh, there's no answer, so he goes to uh, put the card down, um, but kind of gets distracted with when he sees his father's glasses that are on on the table, the the broken glasses, um, and he's thinking like, oh my, that's, those are my father's glasses, or something. And he puts them on himself, um, and as he does that, he hears the the bathroom door open, and Ray is naked in the room um, with him. Uh, she's just come out of the shower. She's wrapped in a towel or something. But yeah, yeah. She, when she sees when she sees that he's uh, wearing the glasses that uh, she's treasured from when uh, Commander Akari saved her, she immediately goes over, removes the glasses, and they like slip and they fall on top of each other. Right, and uh, uh, he falls on top of her, and she is naked on the ground. Uh, her towel falls away, and we see that she that he is. Uh, inadvertently i'm putting in air quotes uh inadvertently holding her breast right he didn't intend to like to feel her up but he fell on top of her and is holding her breast and it's an an awkward moment of puberty right so that's 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 scene scene number one scene number two is Zack snyder and joss whedon's justice league where if you can remember that movie I do. At, I do. At this point, the Snyder Cut has not been released. I should say so. Maybe the most amazing movie in cinema history, Zack Snyder's just fucking piece of shit. But there's a bit in in Justice League. I think it's a Joss Whedon moment, probably, where uh, the Flash falls on top of Wonder Woman. Do you remember that? Yes, yeah, yeah. He saves her, like him. And there's a, a fight, and he's never really, he hasn't really got into the game yet because he's afraid of the the action violency thing. And then he runs in and and like pushes her out of the way of something or something. Yeah. Yes, and yeah, and then they fall on top of each other, and he's like, "Oh no, I'm really sorry. I didn't want to get on top of you like this or something, uh, something to to that effect. Some some snide joke, and it feels like dirty." And gr- at least when I, I remember seeing it, it felt like, uh, oh, I, had I, don't, very... I don't remember it that way. No, I d- no, I'll, I'll defer to your to your memory because it's your point. Um, no, and no, I don't no, remember. No. It per- I don't remember it perfectly, but no, but but do you do you feel between those two those two scenes that there is like a difference between there just being like a joke? Oh, he fell on top of her and she was naked. Um, again, I I felt that that scene in Evangelion was a bit weird, um, mm. and again, like the over sexualization of a female character, for one thing. But then she's also fourteen, and it it's it's um it's put together in a way where like she walks, you know, she's naked, but she walks past the, something, so you don't quite see everything, um, and. Yeah, when you see that he, uh, Shinji's hand is on her breast, it's for like a frame. 
Like it's you blink and you'd miss it. Like it's um, so it kind of it tries to balance it, I suppose. But then the, the scene earlier in episode two where we see Shinji is naked, he's standing in the doorway, and um, but the shot of his <laughs> he's completely naked, but you can't see his junk because there's a beer can in the way. And but he's he's panicking, so he doesn't really clock that he's naked. And there's a funny moment where um, uh, Masato, who he's talking to, um, goes to grab that very beer can that is blocking the view of his penis. And you're thinking, oh, what's it going to happen? And she lifts it up, and there's like a can of condiment. Uh, sorry, like a jar of a condiment or something behind yeah. the can. So he's still his shame is still blocked. Um, so it doesn't. Like like the the slapstick element of that because he's a boy doesn't seem to be fairly um, represented when it's a female naked person on the other side. That is like a like you said it's it's awkward and it is meant to be kind of sexual because it's a reflection of pubertal development and and all that stuff. But then if she has this weird air, maybe this is just me, but Ray has this weird air of damage that she doesn't care that she's naked she's like almost sort of numb to to the world she's she's a loner she's isolated she we've only seen her have any kind of um positive reaction to a person when it's like a full-grown man and the way that the show is kind of peppered in sexuality makes me a little bit nervous for that relationship between Ray and and Commander Akari, and a, a little bit like in that scene in our last episode in Honey Boy between um, FKA Twigs' character Shy Girl and and like a twelve year old twelve um, year old boy, so yeah, it kind of puts me a little bit on edge. But maybe that is a quite a good reflection of the anxiety around being that age, and there are girls around, and your body is is changing, and you kind of have a you're kind of drawn to a person in a way. Um, there, that there's there's a moment where they're at school Ray and Shinji go to the same school and for some reason the boys and the girls are separated in their PE class and the girls are, are swimming and the boys are like running or playing basketball or something and um, all the girl, boys are sort of gawking at the girls and the girls are all going oh look at those boys I, I feel like I have to have a wash just because they're looking at me like haha boys are gross but uh, Ray is sort of sat on her own not doing anything and Shinji is sort of staring at her and he's kind of he's intrigued by her and drawn to her because she's always alone one of the other boys says oh i see you're staring at ray yeah and they start really objectifying her body picking out yes. areas of her body yeah. and and being real laddish about it and shinji's like no i just i'm just wonder why she's always alone and we've talked about themes of 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 isolation and there's something to about introvertedness as well um which you know the only two characters we really see that are very much like that are Ray and Shinji and they're the same age and they're both in the same world they're both Evangelion pilots and they're both broken in to an extent yeah I think Ray is one of those characters you I mean it's, it's a stupid thing to say but you have to kind of keep your eye on her throughout the show because a lot of those um, those things you were saying about like your concerns around the character and things, like um, yeah, those are things that are both going to be explained and compounded upon in, in big ways. I don't yeah, I don't want to go into it too much because it's uh, yeah, it's it's part of the core the core of the show itself. Um, but yeah, I that 
it's really interesting what you said about the the slapstick nature of uh, Shinji's nakedness being separate to the uh, the reverse to to when Ray is naked. Um, and you're right. It, although it is a slapstick moment where they fall on top of each other, the ooh gross kind of comedy that comes from the flash landing on Wonder Woman, and it's like, ugh, they just sexualized this for like no reason at all. Right? This was mm. completely unnecessary. Um, the the sexualization of that moment again is talking to those wider themes those wider ideas of of puberty and and growing up and those those desires and not knowing what to do with them right because yeah. in in that moment ray lies like a corpse right mm. she she doesn't try and push him off she doesn't go like and there's a character that we're introduced later on who if that happened would be like get the fuck off of me like what 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 you know but she, they're there for like 10 seconds looking at each other and he is like panicking and doesn't move because he doesn't know what to do. And she is completely naked, but again, like dead almost until she says, please, could you move? And that's, it's not until she says that, that he realizes he's holding, you know, he's touching her, her breast and, and things. And it's sexual, not sexualized. If that yeah. makes sense, yeah, right. And it, I, it's one of the things that's really interesting about Ray is the difference in how the show deals with her and how fans deal with her. And I think if you look at, um, like the fandom surrounding Neon Genesis Evangelion, and there's a lot of that that comes in with with later movies and things like that as well, um, is fans do sexualize ray and you see like the statues you know you get lots of like anime statues where it's like a a girl doing the impossible distorted body uh, pose poses that just like nobody could ever do but ray is the one who is like standing looking sexy like like that um but that's not the show no right? i just and... think that makes me sad that feels like a real missing of the point yes yeah and those moments when like you were saying in the early episodes where um uh they're at the apartment and we see uh, you're saying oh the camera is behind misato or uh looking up at misato's leg it's not so that we as the audience can be like "Ooh, hubba hubba it's because here is this 14 year old boy with an, an adult woman having these it's telling us about him, right? And his inner, uh, his desires and um, and the subconscious desires as well, right? Because it's not, he's not staring at her legs at that point, but the camera is showing us, you know, they talk about the male gaze, right? And there was that thing a few weeks ago where Kira Knightley said she's never going to do a sex scene directed by a man. Did you read that? I saw the headline, but I didn't read it any yes. deeper. Yeah, okay, yeah. So Kira Knightley said she's not going to do a movie with a sex scene that's directed by a man because she doesn't want the male gaze to be put in on her body. So she only wants to do sex scenes now, if at all, if she, if at all, directed by women. 
because they will be handled more sensitively towards her, I assume is what she believes. Um, but the difference between the male gaze and Shinji's gaze is that that is telling us characterization, not saying, oh, look at her butt. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think that's something that happens a lot within this show. And another example is every time they're in the bathroom, they have uh, uh, washing is hanging up. And it's always underwear. Um, it's always bras and pants that are, are being dried within in the bathroom. Uh, on clothes pegs, there's always bras. And it's like Shinji is lying in the bath with these, like... Um, with, with female underwear and it's unmentionables yeah 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 and it's that that time in his life where um that is some kind of mystical object <laughs> yeah you know like a, like a bra is like um like oh my god women wear those over their breasts <laughs> you know <laughs> like you that... tapping into some uh, some adolescent angst of your own there no, well, this goes back again to uh, to the Honey Boy discussion we had about about um, when the younger version of Shia LaBeouf uh, with with Shy Girl um, is both a boy is a boy transitioning into a man, and he has that those sexual instincts are starting to appear, but he doesn't know what to do with them. Right, and that is the thing for for Shinji as well, right? It's um, this this new the old world is dying, right? His childhood world is dying, and he's transitioning into this adult world of responsibility, of you know, of of some kind of duty, and then of uh, you know, sex as well, um, and like the 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 fetishization of bras is a good example of that it's not like sexy underwear right it's not like um you know they're modeling in like victoria's secret stuff or, or anything like that it's just like a sports bra or something like that you know but the yeah that it it's sexualized it's sexualizing clothes like the, literally sexualizing the underwear but so that we understand more about him and and about them as well and um we learned quite a lot about ray in her apartment and um yeah yeah and, and who she is and going forward the next episode episode six uh is ray two so we haven't we just watched ray one and we have ray straight two into it. coming next yeah so there may be some more things revealed in the next episode hopefully those they'll be uh you know personality traits are revealed not necessarily more body parts <laughs> yes yes yeah that is yeah that's that's fair enough was there something in the, the particularly stood out to you um within the show what was what was what did you take away from those first five episodes there was something i in trying to think about what maybe the yeah the the wider themes of it were, in those first five episodes, there's a little bit of a Spider-Man vibe of with great power comes great responsibility, particularly after the episode where he decides to quit and leave, and the the the, the uh, nerve the organization don't make a great deal of effort to keep him 
and he's like basically at the train station ready to leave when um the two guys from his school who you know actually kind of want to be his friend convince him to come back but there's something in there where he he knows that because he's the only person who can pilot this uh this eva that if he doesn't then they're down and either and he they, he knows that Ray is in not any condition to pilot her so he's basically just dooming everyone he's he, just like with Spider-Man though you're putting this kind of choice and weight of responsibility on a child and on a teenager who as we've talked about is going through so many changes in their uh, emotionally and with their bodies and he's so conflicted and confused with his relationship with his family so that was just a kind of a, a a parallel that that i noticed and that he's having to learn to put he didn't choose this gift he didn't choose this uh this responsibility but ultimately now as tom holland says in captain america civil war if you have the if you have the ability to stop bad things happening then you don't and then bad things happen it's because of you and that's heavy shit to put on a kid. And that's why Spider-Man is so great. Because if you, you put that on an adult, it's like, well, you know, a, a mature adult could come to that decision logically. But a teenager, like teenagers can't do shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, you know, they can't even sit in the bath and look at underwear, which is kind of, you know, kind of. You know, what... Yeah. Well, actually, that makes me think that um, talking about his like uh, pubertal development, they're it's um, well within the realms of possibility and, and reality that um, children who go through significant trauma or emotional um, difficulties can be stunted in their biological development as well. So he might be yeah, extra confused. Like another 14-year-old, like he, there are boys in his class who are always talking about girls and objectifying them. So if one of them had tripped and fallen on a naked ray and t- got a hand on her boob, maybe they would have done some cheesy flash line or tried to yes. tried yeah. to advance that situation to their benefit. But yeah. Shinji is not in that place either, you know, um, in terms of maturity or, uh, or anything else. Yeah. They're such fascinating characters. I think these, these, uh, especially with, with Shinji and, and Ray and then, um, another character that comes in in a couple of episodes time um and i think again this is something that is lent to the show by its use of silence is you really do learn a lot about these characters when they don't say anything um and that's one of the things that's so special about it is that ray and Shinji don't say very much to each other at all. Um, and when they do, she ends up slapping him. Yeah. Because uh, he uh, he says how he feels about his dad. Um, I'm going to do it again. God, what a good show. <laughs> no, it's 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 great. You've you've put me on to some some great things. Um and Lone Wolf and Cub a couple of episodes ago was another mm. one that was in that realm of, of of Japanese popular culture and it does way more than the cool shit that it just seems to do on the surface. Yeah, yeah. All right, for final two questions about the, the themes and the ideas. Um, what do you think of its portrayal of 
things like depression and loneliness. Um, and what do you think about its religious sim symbology? Um, I'm going to skirt around the religious symbology question because I, I didn't, I hadn't thought of that. And I think that's not with, that's... The, not with the giant crosses that exploded from the monsters called angels. No, I didn't notice the giant crosses exploding. Oh, you need to watch Angel Attack again. Again. Well, maybe. Well, I'm going to continue. And maybe this that's yeah. a question for maybe later on in yes, this yeah, run. Yes, something to think about. Yeah, that's something yeah. to think about. And um, and kind of similarly, with terms of its de uh, depiction of depression, like the, we're at the beginning. We're, we're just learning about who um, Shinji is. And I don't know anything about who he was. And it remains to be seen where he's going to go and how he's going to develop. But it's... I think I read in doing some research that, particularly in the realms of anime, having um, a father-son thing and a, and a call to action from a father to a son is not particularly rare, but usually you'll, you'll find that the the young person, who is the hero and the protagonist, is gung-ho and enthusiastic and wants to get in and loves the action. And it's like, yeah, 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 I'm great. So to have a protagonist who is very self-doubting, very... Uh, like you've been saying, isolated, is introverted and is reluctant to answer the call to action. That is interesting, especially like taking into my previous point about the responsibility of him. It's, it has to be him. It can't be anybody else, but he really doesn't want to. That's going to be an intriguing thing to go. And especially when he's carrying, obviously, a lot of emotional baggage um, from his familial relationships. Um, so... Yeah, I, it's. I think a lot remains to be seen, basically. Yeah, some of my favorite imagery within the show so far comes from uh, Rain after running away or Hedgehog's dilemma, and the the idea of the Hedgehog's dilemma is um, uh, one of the characters describes Shinji as a hedgehog, um, and the the Hedgehog's dilemma is, you are you know a small um, a small creature who is easily preyed upon. So you put up your defenses of the, you know, of the spikes or hedgehog spikes, but in doing so, you make it impossible for anyone to ever come close to you, right? So your your fear of of being hurt prevents anyone from making you feel safe. Is kind of is kind of the point. That's um, an amazing it, analogy. Like think about yeah. it. That if that's yeah, that's that's beautiful. Yeah, hedgehog's dilemma. It's all that's what it's dilemma. all about. That, that that's really a whole thing for, throughout the season. You know is. Um, we see um, in that ep the that end of the episode where Masato is there at the train station for him, right? And they pause on a shot of him on the platform about to... unsure if he's going to get on the train. Um, and then her standing by her car looking at... And it's just a shot of the two of them looking at each other for like 30 seconds. Um, it, it's really great. Those my favorite, um, uh, my favorite imagery, in terms of the mental health stuff from from that episode, um, is Shinji has a Walkman that he listens to, and uh, as it goes through a number of times, we see it get to the end of one track, which is like an hour long, and then it ticks over onto the previous track, and then that finishes and. 
it goes back to the what it's like track 25 and 26 or something like that and it just plays again and again and again and it's just those two things on loop and he's lying in bed i think in unfamiliar ceilings as well actually he's got the same the same yeah, thing yeah. yeah and he's just there on his own completely on his own in the world in this loop um and that again is in the, the rain after running away because he gets on the circle train that goes around the outside of the city, you know, like uh, like the M25 around London, I guess, or you know the Circle Line in the the London Underground. Yeah. Um, but it just it just goes around and around and around and around, and we see that montage of images of people getting on, people leaving, someone's reading their book, and they fall asleep under the book. But Shinji is sat in the same place, listening to the same thing on his Walkman as the train goes around and around yeah. and around. You get the sense that he's on it all day. Mm. Just this, he's, he's been skipping school after the, la- mm. the last angel fight and no one knows where he is. And yeah, at least on that day, it seems like he spent the entire day just on the train listening to that. I, I didn't yeah. actually pick up on the the tracks or, or what was on the um, the digital screen on his Walkman. I, I, I hadn't picked up on that at all. Yeah it's, yeah, it's just ticking into the, the, the same thing again and again. And that's such a strong visual metaphor for a lot of mental health stuff, I think, is that is that feeling right of just lying completely in your bed alone, having to listen to the same thing. The only thing that, you know, gives you some kind of uh, security or, or meaning. And then when the train stops that night, he doesn't know what to do with himself. You know, yeah, end he, of the uh, line, and he's yeah, and yeah. he sleeps on a bench or something like that. And, yeah, and that's it. Yeah, but yeah, <sighs> good show, <laughs> heavy show. It's heavy. It's not like um, five episodes is good because after you've watched like six or seven, you're just like, oh my god, I'm like overwhelmed with yeah. emotion. Yeah. And it's like a twenty-six episode run, so. There's an awful lot to get into, and I I've managed to avoid any spoilers except for a few questions around the ending and how either controversy or misunderstanding mm. and a couple of YouTube videos came up saying the ending explained. I'm like, oh, maybe this was going to be an interesting thing, and I think they didn't they even do a movie that followed it that told the story from another perspective and changed the ending or something. So I'm looking forward to seeing seeing where it goes and hopefully the kind of people who i always get a bit nervous about the people who put up the whole this thing in from this movie explained as if it's difficult to understand and i'm thinking if somebody thinks it's difficult to understand a lot of times because they don't get it and they haven't been paying attention and maybe these people i'm, I'm really just having a rail at people i don't i've have not watched their content i don't know who they are i've not even seen the rest of the show but i worry that these are people who watch the show for the robots fighting the angels and didn't really get the rest of it but i would say i would say yeah definitely avoid spoilers don't don't read don't read anything about it until you're finished and then read everything about it yeah basically because this is i know exactly what you mean because at the moment wandavision is is being aired and they had the, the episode the previous episode of wandavision came out like yesterday or the day before it's good. It's really good. I don't know if I've you saw that, that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I guess oh, it's, it's yeah. Friday night. Or, yeah, yeah. Comes Friday night. yeah. So that that was episode five, yes. I think. Was Yeah, yes. And um, I'm not going to spoil the ending for you because it's a big one. 
So definitely watch it before you before it gets spoiled for you. But I watched that and I was like, oh my god, there's going to be so many explainer videos for this. Right, and it's not difficult to understand, but you can see YouTubers being like, oh my god, and then this means this and this. It's like, yeah, yeah, no shit. <laughs> um, but yeah. with, but, and that was something about WandaVision that, that Marvel Studios said was, oh, we were worried that we, that people weren't going to be able to understand it, right? And WandaVision is not difficult to understand on, on any, like, it, it gives you, it gives you a lot and it's a fucking great show. But it's not complicated, right? It's um, no. No, it's, uh, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah, I know we had yeah. we had differing views on episode four because yes. I, we won't we're not going to any spoilers. But episode four is for all those people who thought it might be difficult to understand, yes. and for for especially people like like Dominic, <laughs> that episode kind of was a bit of a you know a bit of a, a roadblock put up for no good reason. Yeah, I do, I didn't like being taken out of the world that was being created. Um, and the the themes that were being created for the sake of explaining the story. Yeah, I thought right. it came too soon for me as yes, well. But yeah. that's, we can't talk about it anymore. No, 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 no. It's but too yeah, fresh. Watch, yeah, watch watch the next episode and message me about it afterwards. <laughs> okay. Um, but what's different about Evangelion is again tying it back into the David Lynch things that I I was talking about earlier on. When you finish Twin Peaks, the series Twin Peaks, it doesn't answer your questions in the way that a lot of people want it to right the one question that twin peaks does answer is who killed laura palmer and when they answered that question david lynch left the series because he didn't want it to be answered but the studios made them answer it right so that to him was the end of the show for 20 years it's why he made a movie but then Season three of Twin Peaks came like 20 years after the original series. Um, and Evangelion is very much similar to that. In if you are expecting there to be a big giant climactic fight between the biggest, uh, the, you know, the biggest alien and then uh, Shinji finally overcomes his trauma with his father and saves the day. Uh, and the world lives like that. That shit's not not going to happen. Yeah, this right? ain't like, Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it is much more open to that kind of um, interpretation and, and meaning. So when people okay. have, like, Evangelion explained, it's like, you can try, right? But we are going to get to the end of this series and you are going to be saying, what the fuck just happened? And that is both brilliant and infuriating at the same time. And that's why there are so many movies and things afterwards is like um, the, the fans, the fans of the show wanted there to be a bit where it's like, and now him and Ray get together and they live there, you know, and it's, but like, like that's not this show. Oh, that's lame. That's like the flipping, the, the true romance ending. Yeah, right, right. Do you know about the two endings to True Romance? Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that, that well, whole thing yeah, well, where yeah, tell tell us tell us all now. Now that you've brought it up, True Romance, one of my favorite movies, written by awesome Quentin movie. Tarantino, directed by Tony Scott, released in nineteen ninety three, starring yeah. Christian Slater, Patricia Arquette, Christopher Walken. Oh, oh, the the cast in that is amazing. Who's the the guy? Who's the pop quiz hotshot guy from Speed? Dennis Hopper. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but essentially, there's um, 
the end of the movie uh, with um, Christian Slater's character Clarence and Patricia Arquette's wait am I saying the right Arquette there's too many Arquettes I think it is Patricia Arquette not yeah, Rosanna Arquette yeah. Yeah, yeah, Patricia yeah. Rockett's character of Alabama. Um, they're they're kind of caught in a in a gunfight between the police and drug dealers and um, a bunch of other bad guys. And uh, um, Clarence gets like a a uh, he gets shot, but it's kind of like a glancing blow across his head. And um, in the original scripted ending by Quentin Tarantino, um, Clarence dies, and Alabama escapes on her own. But when Tony Scott came to write the movie, he changed the ending so that Clarence survives but um, loses an eye and he has to wear a gnarly eye patch but they escape and they live happily ever after on a beach in some tropical paradise um, so that is the Hollywood ending that wasn't mm-hmm. written by the writer but whether it was Tony Scott the director's choice or the studio were like leaning on him to give it a happy ending who knows but those endings that's why there is a cliche of Hollywood endings because of studio types who won't they're afraid that people won't go see their movie it doesn't have a happy ending because people are come to movies for escapism and to be reminded that everything's going to be okay and real life is much worse <laughs> when i don't know for i don't know i for me personally i'd rather see something more realistic mm. yes if you're watching evangelion and you want the the one where they they get together at the end and live a, a happy life because they stopped evil Oh yeah, Hunger Games 2, that's got another bullshit happy ending. (laughs) Yeah. Watch Avatar The Last Airbender because that will... uh, It's a great show, great themes, great ideas, great characters, good ending, right? Like, that's that's the one you want to watch. But if you want something that's going to leave you uh, with questions about about what you've seen, about life, about... uh, Yeah, then Evangelion is the way to go. So I'm excited. I'm excited to get to that ending again because now I have read so much about it and seen, and I've seen a bunch of those Evangelion explained. And some of it, I'm like, ah, yeah, that was something that I missed when I watched. Like you're saying, if you watch closely enough, then things, you know, it does add up. And so I, another thing that David Lynch says is, people say your your work is so confusing. Like there's so many interpretations. And David Lynch is like, it's all there. I've I've given it to you. It's if you just watch it then you'll find the answer. It's not confusing if you watch it. Um, and, you know, I think he's, uh, he's he's asks too much of audiences sometimes. But um, I think, yeah, watching, watching uh, Evangelion again this time, I'm really interested to see as I'm, like, putting things together. And already with that, those, that first episode with Rei, uh, especially with, with Shinji falling on top of her in that moment, it's like a, oh boy, that's... That is not necessarily foreshadowing, but again, it's like um, it's the start of another thematic link that's going to that's going to go through. So yeah, I'm really excited to keep watching it and to get your your ideas and your what you think about it as we go. Sure, yeah, I think it'll be good to do it in small chunks too, because it'll be good to know like after five more episodes whether my theories have changed or my feelings about it have changed, or you know, and then go another five and then another five and just keep checking in and <laughs> check yeah. on that check on our de- oh well, at least if you've seen it all before i'll check on my my de- developments yeah okay here we go neon genesis evangelion episodes one to five angel attack unfamiliar ceiling silent phone rain after running away ray beyond the heart 
how does it connect to you and uh, your relationship with your father? Do you see much of Gendo Ikari within uh, within Brian Senior? <laughs> Brian Senior. Um, no, but it did. What I've what I've been trying to think about because a lot of um, the things we talk about maybe fifty fifty um, split. I don't have a don't, I can't see a direct link between me and my my dad. So I if if that's the case, then I want to think about imagining if it was. So imagining that your father was more interested in his work than he is in raising you. And then the only time that he shows any interest in you is when you are of use to him and his work. Um, that's like, it's, it's, it's like Shinji has a sibling and his sibling is Nerve. And Nerve is the favourite child. And Shinji's just like a, the extra one. But imagine that Nerve's a baby and his dad's like... Well, it's Ray. I need... It's Ray, right? Like, that's... Well, is it? I don't well, know. Yeah. You're talking, I know you're yeah. talking um, metaphorically, but... Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it seems it, it's, definitely, it's definitely going that way. And so maybe there are some, there are some thoughts, some questions you could ask about favouritism between siblings you and i both have a younger brother and there there are certainly times when i was younger when i thought that my parents preferred connor to me um but then as we got older let's say he put a lot more strain on them than i did <laughs> so i kind of i kind of fell off the hook i said like, well i can't i can't really do any worse than that can i so pff, i'm set <laughs> Yeah. Have you ever have you ever like um, quarrelled with those those ideas in your family? Yes, for sure. Not with with my dad, um, because I'm I'm my dad's only um, only child, but my my brother is my mum and my stepdad's child, and I I grew up in the house with my with my mum and my stepdad, which meant that I was eight when my when Harvey was born when my brother was born. I was seven, seven or eight. Um, and I'd been living with my stepdad for four years by then. So we had already been, uh, been living together for a long time before, uh, before my brother arrived. But then we were in a house where it was, it was me, my stepdad, and then his actual son. Yeah. They're, they're right. all directly related to each other and you're the, mm. you're the yes. offshoot. Yes. And then we have things like, um, Oh, Harvey, uh, Harvey and Dom, you can go and stay with, uh, you know, with my stepdad's parents. So Harvey's grandparents like that. And it's like um, uh, these people trying to be your grandparents, but they're not. And mm. we, we, we all kind of know. Right. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very fortunate with that side of of my family with my stepdad's side of the family, because some people have like horror stories of having step parents and like step families and like, oh, they never accepted me. They never, you know, whatever. Um, but all of that side of the family has always been great. Like really, yeah, really, really, really great. Um, and like, there's obvious favoritism from them towards my brother because like, he's their grandchild, right? Like mm. genuinely their grandchild. And like, I don't take, I don't um, uh, begrudge any of that. For sure. Yeah. Uh, when my brother when my brother turned eighteen, 
uh, his grand his grandfather gave him the money to like to buy his car and stuff like that, right? So, like um, like none of that was was given towards me, but they're not actually my grandparents, right? And yeah. they were they did. I'm not I'm not like oh well they should have given me <laughs> because they yeah they were always far nicer to me than they had to have been, um, and much more loving and caring than they had to be. So, yeah, that's um, yeah I've always been. I've been very lucky with that, but that doesn't mean that growing up, it wasn't like a, oh, well, obviously my stepdad loves my brother more because he's actually his son and I'm not actually his son. And, um, that was never, it was never said. And I don't think that it's true, but growing up when you're a teenager, those are the things that go through your, um, that go through your head and that you quarrel with and that you, yeah, you think about and kind of, have to come to some sort of terms with as well right is that um that like yeah it's just it's just something you 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 have to deal with i think but, yeah and you come yeah. you can come to a logical place in the end like like you have you know, mm. that like well yeah there his uh, that's harvey's blood family yes. and whereas you know you've been welcomed in um kindly but yeah yeah you're you're not their uh direct, complete offspring <laughs> no like i'm not expecting to be written into their will or something like that yeah. right you know it's not going to be like uh, oh i can't believe they let harvey a house but there was nothing for me you know like <laughs> it's not it's not do you have like that. do you have grandparents on your dad's side yes yes yeah, yeah. although the the thing is and this will will tie into uh to to other daddy issue stuff perhaps so my parents divorced when i was four um, and my mum's parents are both divorced and my stepdad's parents are both divorced. Um, so it means I have like six different sets of, of grandparents, six or seven different sets of grandparents. I guess I've got my I've got my my dad's mum and dad. Then I had my mum. I had my mum's mum and her husband. Then my mum's dad. So we had three. Then I had my my stepdad's dad and his wife, and then my stepdad's mum and his and her husband. So it's like <laughs> five five different sets of grandparents. That's so confusing. Um, yeah, it, it yeah. Every everyone was divorced except for my grandma and my you know my my dad's parents who like may have been much happier if they had gotten divorced. You know, is <laughs> is that kind of yeah, classically kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that is like an impact of going into relationships of my own is like just being absolutely terrified of divorce because when everyone in your family is a divorcee except for the people who should have got divorced um it's like uh, oh dear you know yeah that's that's that has to prey on your mind mm. there's there's only one divorce in any of my extended family like one of my uncles divorced his wife, and then I think, in terms, of, if I go back another generation, I know that both of my mum's parents had step parents, but I think that was more of a, I don't know if those were divorces or if they were widows it could or be widowers. War, yeah, war deaths or war. something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but it the whole concept of step parents was so alien to me that when I found out that like my granddad had a stepdad, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. What? What is that? I thought well, you were all good old Christian people who never, yeah, you know, yeah. once you once you're in, you're in. You don't want to go to hell. Better not get divorced. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's the, yeah, that'll, that'll be a big thing for my relationships going forward. One of those existential questions, like Shinji. For one of my Shinji questions will be, uh, can I, uh, can I be the person I have to be for a relationship to, to survive? Or am I the kind of person who dooms their relationships from the start just because of who I am? And, uh, yeah, Shinji, it's turning into neon, uh, Genesis Dom Angelion now. E- Eve Dom Jelly? No. <laughs> Evan Domelion? No, it doesn't work. Dom, we'll, Dom, we'll, we'll Dom Vangelion, the, I think. Yeah, we'll workshop it for the next episode. And we'll okay. come back. Dave Vangelion is by far the best. So far. It's, so. I, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Yeah. How about Ni Dom Genesis Evangelion? Ni Dom Genesis Evangelion. I've got to change the title of the channel now. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That's that's the name of our five part series on uh, on Need this Dom Genesis Day Evangelion. Oh, <laughs> it. it just flows. It just flows. Well, thank you, uh, listeners, for uh, joining us on this this first dive. I think this topic may be one that people actually really get into because it has a pretty dedicated fan base. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see if people have any thoughts. If there's something that we missed. Um, of course, if there is something that we missed, we still have five episodes to come. So don't be like, oh my god, I can't believe you didn't talk about because maybe we're going to talk about it in the next. But no, actually do because it's really good for um, uh, for driving views in the YouTube algorithm if you comment. So if you want to comment saying, oh, I can't believe that you did just put the brackets, just put the brackets, don't mean it. It's just just for the algorithm and I'll be, uh, I'll, I'll, vote, I'll upvote you Reddit style. Nice, yeah. 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 Yeah, so uh yeah. Any recommendations, any questions, any thoughts, leave them down below. Uh thank you guys very much for listening and we will see you next time. I can't wait. <laughs>